On June 24th, 2021, many of us got up that morning, we turned on the morning news or we checked our phones and it was then that we first saw the horrifying images coming out of Surfside, Florida. The South Tower of the Champlain Towers condominium had collapsed, killing 98 people while they slept. It's the third deadliest structural engineering failure in U.S. history. Now, in the aftermath, it was discovered that, that water had leaked through the pool deck and it caused corrosion of the rebar in the parking garage below the pool. Investigators also revealed that inadequate amounts of rebar had been used in the initial construction of the building and its footers and its foundation. However, the ultimate cause of the collapse, it might not have been the building at all, but the very ground it was built upon. One researcher with the Florida International University, which had studied the area throughout the 1990s, said the building was sinking into the sand it was built on. The condo had been built on reclaimed wetlands and portions of the ground were sinking at much faster rates than the surrounding soil. Now, it turns out that's not a very good way to build a building. Right? You should be very careful where you build. Whether you're building a 12-story beachfront condo or you're building a life. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, as he draws this message to a close, um, he, he has a cautionary tale about how we build our lives. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, each one of us is building a life. Right? If you're sucking in air, you are a construction worker. Every ambition you cherish sketches out a, a few lines in the design. Every action is another brick laid into the structure. Every willful neglect is another corner cut. Every word you say is a, another nail hammered into place. And gradually, as the years pass, the building of your life takes shape. Our choice is not between building or not building, but in how and where you choose to build. You can build wisely or you can build foolishly. You can build on solid rock or unstable sand. Now, the construction of our lives comes down to the choices that we make. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been comparing and contrasting these choices, right? 
we choose to either hide our lights or shine them. We choose to follow one master or another. We choose to store our treasures on earth or store them in heaven. We choose to enter by the wide gate or the narrow gate. But now as Jesus brings the sermon to a conclusion, he says that, that all of life's choices come down to one basic choice. We will choose to build our lives on the bedrock foundation of God's word, or we're going to build them on the sandy foundation of, of doing things our own way. Now, modern people aren't comfortable with such limited choices. Are we? we don't like good or bad, wrong or right, yes or no. We like, well, maybe. We prefer lots of choices. We like fuzzy boundaries with lots of gray area. But Jesus says that all of our lives are either built on the rock or built on sand. And that which is built on the sand won't last. So what's the difference between a life built on the rock or a life built on the sand? How do we build a life that lasts and, and not one that gets wiped out in the storm? Well, first of all, I want you to notice that, that both the wise man and the foolish man, they build similar houses. The difference is, is not in the buildings, right? They build the same houses. Jesus doesn't say that there's any difference in their houses. Now, in the story of the three pigs, it's all about the houses that are built, right? Remember, one is made out of straw, another's made out of wood, a third one is made out of brick. Right, and that one, the big bad wolf cannot blow the house down. But in Jesus' story, both houses very well could have been made out of brick. It doesn't matter. And in fact, if you were standing in front of both of these houses, you might even swear that they're the same, that, that for all intents and purposes, they could be identical. They could be made out of the same materials, built the same way. And so the durability of, of each house has nothing to do with the, the strength of the building or the excellence of the craftsmanship or the quality of materials. It's all about the stability of the foundation. And you can have the most magnificent building. You can have the most wonderful structure of a life. It can be large and impressive. It can be built out of the strongest materials. But if it's built on the wrong foundation, it means nothing. Now, there are plenty of lives that from an earthly point of view, they look good and solid. Right? There are people that have a great family. They have a successful career, and they seem to be living a good life, a full and happy life. And these people might even go to church. They might even do spiritual things, but their lives are built on sand, and they will not last. Right? The difference isn't in what they know. It isn't necessarily in the truth they believe in. They they both hear the same words. They both have heard what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout Scripture. Right? And they both know the truth. They may even both believe that the truth is true. 
But knowing the truth and accepting that it's truth isn't the same as living the truth. So the wise and foolish builders, they build the same houses. And, and secondly, their houses face the same storm. The difference isn't in the storms they face. One house doesn't face a storm that's more severe. Jesus doesn't say there's any difference in the storms at all. In fact, it might even be the same storm. For both houses, we are told the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Now, during the rainy season in the Holy Land, the storms can be quite severe. The rain can come down as torrents for hour upon hour, day after day. And there are seasons in life that are like that. Jesus doesn't tell us, well, build your life where there are fewer storms. Or he doesn't promise us that, well, if you're a Christian and you believe in me, you're going to face fewer storms or easier storms. Right? There's no building your life outside of the flood zone of life. The question is this. Have you built your life so that it can withstand the storm? Now, these storms come in every life, but is your life built to withstand them? Now, what do we mean by these storms? What are these storms, the rains and the wind? Well, there's two kinds of storms we're going to have to face. The first kind of storm are just simply the, the trials and challenges of life that, that everyone faces. And they come in many forms. Right? It could be you know, the loss of a loved one. It could be a physical challenge or some sort of chronic illness. The Apostle Paul spoke of a thorn in the flesh through which he was tested. It could be persecution. It could be temptation. It could be the loss of work. It could be a, a wayward, rebellious child. Right? These are all storms that blow through our lives. But there's also a second storm, a greater storm that every single one of us will face, um, a storm that will put every life to the ultimate test. And this storm is the storm of final judgment. Later on in Matthew, Jesus will compare the final judgment to a coming storm. And all of our actions, all of our words, all of our thoughts and ambitions will be will be weighed and measured. This is life's final inspection. You know, this is when the building inspector comes in and kind of puts their final stamp of approval. It is the ultimate test for the life that we have built. And so even if you make it through all of these other storms in life, you still have to make it through this one last storm. And maybe it's possible for, for someone to escape all of the storms of this life with a life built on the sand. And there are plenty of people who, who build lives on the wrong foundation, and the storms of life don't seem to wipe them out. Right? They die with, with millions. They die with a good name and lots of respect. They live a long and prosperous life. They seem to be fairly happy. But they never give Jesus a second thought. Not only that, they, they never obey his words. And in fact, many people never take a couple minutes to even deeply consider his words. 
And though they face some difficulties in life, it doesn't seem like any of these storms came along and, and caused their lives to fall with a great crash. The storm that will wipe these people out comes after they die. Right? That's when no life built on the sand will escape the storm of God's judgment. So the difference isn't in the two houses that are built. It's not in what they know to be true. The difference isn't in the storms they face, the, the trials of life and the judgment we will all face. The difference is on which foundation they build. Now, the difference is in what they do with what they've heard. Only one builder acts on what he knows. Only one is changed by what they believe to be true. The other hears the truth. The other knows the truth. They might even accept the truth, but the truth doesn't change them. They still live life their own way. All right, the foolish person builds in the way that seems easiest. They take the, the quickest route, all right? It's going through the, the wide gate, the easy way to what seems to be a happy life. And the easy way seems attractive for several reasons. It's quick, it seems to deliver immediate results, and it looks good without a lot of effort. Meanwhile, the wise builder builds his house the hard way. Right? They dig down until they can build their house on solid rock. And the word for rock Jesus uses here doesn't just mean any sort of rock. It means bedrock. Right? Luke records the story this way. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. I, and so the picture here is of a wise builder who, who removes the topsoil and all the loose gravel and all the sand, and, and he does all this heavy digging until he hits solid, immovable bedrock. Now, this is backbreaking work, especially in the first century before there were bulldozers and backhoes. In the first century, this could mean weeks of grueling labor. All right? And so he spends all these weeks trying to dig down to bedrock. Meanwhile, the guy that's building on sand, he looks like he's almost finished. Meanwhile, the guy building on rock, it looks like he's hardly started. But that house built on the sand will never last. Now, in Israel, they are these valleys that are called wadis. And for most of the year, wadis are dry, but they're often very beautiful and lush places. And the reason is um, because for two months out of the year, during the rainy season, the storms come and the rains come down for days on end. And during these times, these wadis become rivers and sometimes they become raging rivers. And when they flood, everything is washed away. Now, during the dry season, there are these green, lush valleys, and it might seem like the perfect place to build. But if you build there, it could get all wiped out in a day. The only things that will survive are those things that are built on solid rock. And Jesus says that the life built on solid rock is the person who hears and knows Jesus' words, but not just that. He obeys them as well. He puts them into practice. Right? They do not build on the, 
the loose gravel of popular culture, the shifting sands of fickle opinion. They only build on the rock of what is timeless and has stood the test of time. The word of God, the truth of the one who is the truth. Now, one thing that we can't miss, um, you know, listening to a sermon is that it's not enough to just hear the truth. It's not enough to, to know the truth. Now, Jewish religious leaders were, were constantly debating whether hearing the law or doing the law was the most important. And these arguments would go back and forth. And by Jesus' day, most of them had concluded that, that hearing the law was the most important because you couldn't do it unless they heard it first. Now, doing it was also important, but yeah, hearing was most important. And so the emphasis had had you know, all been placed on the hearing. And so people love to hear all of the latest, you know, theories and interpretations of the law, and they would discuss, and they would debate, and they had all of this knowledge. Problem is, they didn't do it. They didn't act on it. They knew it in their heads, but it never took hold in their hearts. It never bore fruit on their lips or in their hands or their feet. God had something to say to the prophet Ezekiel about what he thinks about those who listen to his words, but don't do it. My people come to you as they usually do, and they sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than the one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice, and plays on an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Now, do you hear what God is saying here? He's saying that if you go to church and, and you listen to sermons, but it doesn't change your life, that's it, no different than going to a Taylor Swift concert. And there are a lot of people that are like that, right? They attend church for years, but their lives are no different now than they were a decade ago, right? They know their Bibles. They know what it says. They know who Jesus is. They understand what he did, but their lives are still untransformed. And you can have a great life, a picture-perfect family, a successful career, a, a nice house, a nice car, but if it's built on the wrong foundation, none of it will last. In fact, two people can be members of the same church. They can sing the same songs, go to the same classes, read the same Bible. They know the same truth, but only one of them will stand on the day of judgment. You see, you can't be readily exposed to the truth and then go on being the same greedy, selfish, angry, lustful, prideful person that you've always been. Well, at last. William Barclay writes, there's little point in going to a doctor unless we are prepared to do the things we hear him say to us. Little point in going to an expert unless we are prepared to act upon his advice. And yet there are thousands of people who listen to the teaching of Jesus Christ every single Sunday and who have very good knowledge of what Jesus taught and who yet make little or no deliberate attempt to put it into practice. 
In the book of James, here's what our Lord's half-brother warns about the same thing. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Hearing and doing, knowing and acting, believing and living. The Bible sums it up in a single word, obedience. Now, that's a word that grates on modern American ears. It sounds old-fashioned and outdated. But Jesus says, only by obeying his word can we build a life strong enough to withstand the storm. If you build on anything else, it won't last. I love the idea of freedom and independence as much as any red-blooded American. But I'll tell you what, I'll obey someone right, if I know that they know more than me, right, they understand more than me, right, they're able to do more than me, and I know they have my best interest at heart. I mean, there's all kinds of things I've learned to do by going on YouTube and watching somebody who knows what they're talking about, and I follow their instructions explicitly, right? If something electrical goes wrong in my house, I call someone who knows wiring and electricity, right? And I'll ask them questions and, and have them explain it to me on a four dummies level, and then I obey what they say to a T, right? Because I want to live. But I also want to have lights and power. When it comes to life, who better to obey than the one who created life, who created your life, who put you here with a purpose, who lived life perfectly and without sin and with perfect love, right? That's the person I want to listen to, that I want to follow, that I want to obey. And we need to understand that there are times when obedience is absolutely necessary. All right, imagine a parent who, who doesn't expect their child is going to obey them unless they've yelled at them a few times. Or children who are allowed to disobey until they get three strikes. One strike, honey. Two strikes. Imagine the day when that child is playing in the front yard and chases their ball, which is bouncing across the street. Mom looks up just in time to see a car approaching at high speed. She shouts at her child, honey, stop. Obedience is absolutely necessary. A Navy man told about a time when he was serving on a tugboat that was towing a much larger vessel through rough waters. And in the midst of the wind and the spray, the officer in command of the tug barked an urgent order, down! And instantly every man in the crew dropped to the deck. Just as the cable snapped and whipped across the taffrail like a steel blade taking much of the boat's rigging with it. Now, any man left standing would have been sliced in two. 
had they stopped to argue or ask why, they would have instantly met their fate. Obedience is absolutely necessary. When it comes to the words of our Savior, obedience is absolutely necessary. That's the only solid foundation. So what foundation are you building on? Are you building on the solid rock of obedience to Jesus' words? Are you building on the constantly shifting, unstable sand, your own desires of human opinion, of what is popularly accepted at the moment? I don't care how good your life looks if it won't survive the coming storm. Thank you, and God bless.